0: So um, here at the Bible Chapel, we, we plan out our, our messages uh, pretty uh, far in advance. Uh, we know that uh, pretty much what we'll be teaching on in, uh, in July and uh, through August, uh, we'll be starting the, going through the book of Genesis uh, in January and looking at the fresh beginnings of Scripture and how God can work those fresh beginnings in us as well. So today, the plan was to uh, go through a passage in Colossians as we're working our way through this community series um, to look at a a passage in Colossians 3 that uh, really uh, dealt with kind of who we are uh, in Christ and and our position uh, in Him and how that impacts us in community. And we'll get there uh, to Colossians chapter 3 and another passage in 4. We'll do that next week. But with everything going on uh, in our world, uh, I wanted to uh, spend another week in Philippians. And so I wanted us to look at uh, a passage that speaks to uh, peace and calmness as we live in today's world. We all experienced uh, the emotion of another attack uh, this week in San Bernardino, California. Uh, You guys know the story, 14 people uh, died another 21 injured during a holiday party at a social service center. Uh, that, of course, right after the impact, attacks in Paris that left 130 dead. And, and it seems like as you meet with people and talk to people that there's this uh, blanket of, uh, of fear and anxiety that kind, of, uh, that kind of spreads over, kind of covers uh, our country. And, and Christians are not exempt uh, to that. They're not exempt to these emotions. The, the world's a crazy place to live in. Do you agree with that? And we live in it. And if it's not a, something we see on the news, then there are our own we have our own struggles, uh, job situations. I know that's a challenge for, for many of you. Job uh, loss. you don't know if the job's going to be there in a few months and a loss of loved ones. Uh, we all experience that, we deal with uh, another round of tests, or we deal with another round of treatments. Uh, every age group has its inevitable challenges. If you're a teenager, you have your set of challenges. If you're a young adult, college student, you have your set of challenges. I know many college students are anxious this time of year as they uh, go through finals. Uh, young marrieds, uh, with their set of challenges, uh, aging has its set of challenges as well. And even Gene said in that, uh, in that video, you know, even when you become a Christian, sometimes things get, get harder. Uh, we, uh, we have questions of why that kind of reverberate in, our, in the chambers of our mind, and, and, and they're really not answered. And, and then we have great things happen, you know, we have bring children into the world, and then we begin to wonder what kind of world that we have brought them into. And so anxiety is no stranger to anyone, it can come and it can not just be a, a visitor, but it can take up residence in our hearts and worry can become a, a constant companion. And so, I want us today to deal with this question. As believers, how do we handle that? As believers, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for the only way to, as the only way to have a relationship with the living God not immune to any challenge, not, not immune to any situation that would cause natural emotions of anxiety or worry. How do we deal with all the stuff going on in the world? So let's stay in Philippians today and look at a, a passage in Philippians chapter 4. Take your Bibles and turn there. Philippians chapter 4, and we want to look at verses 4 through 9. What I want to do is to read through the passage so we get it in our mind. As you're studying Scripture, you always want to read through the passage first, get the totality of it, and then we can go back and look at all the aspects of this uh, powerful uh, teaching of, uh, of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Notice the exclamation mark. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And when you do that, here's the promise, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, let me wrap that up for you. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard or even seen in me, Paul says, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's work our way through this passage. First of all, Paul begins with the command, rejoice in the Lord always, and he repeats it immediately to emphasize how important it is. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Paul says, this is not some hit-and-miss thing you should do when things are going well. This is not some on-again, off-again emotion you should have. Rejoice in the Lord always, and the always is there because of the prepositional phrase that tells us our source of rejoicing, and who is that? Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the one who never changes. Rejoice in the one who is the same yesterday, today, and even forever. When your iPhone buzzes with breaking news, Jesus didn't change. When you watch something on television that is a tragedy, Jesus did not change. And so Paul says you can rejoice in the Lord. That's a command, by the way. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again, just to repeat it so you don't miss it. Rejoice. Paul says Jesus is the believer's reason for rejoicing. Jesus is the believer's source of rejoicing. Jesus is the believer's object of rejoicing. The reason, the source, the object is always Jesus. He's the one who has transformed our life. The penalty of sin is gone. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And if He can take care of our eternity, if Jesus can die on the cross for our sins and allow us a relationship with the living God, if He takes care of our eternity, He is more than capable of taking care of today and tomorrow and the next day. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says this, for you have died, you've been crucified with Christ, your sins have been taken care of, and your new life, this new transformed life, it, I love this, is now hidden with Christ in God. Paul says you're in Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, and in Christ you are significant. And in Christ You are secure, and in Christ you are accepted, and in Christ you are forgiven, and you are empowered, and absolutely nothing can ever take that away. That's for eternity. But we live in the world, right? And sometimes trials and pressure of life make it really hard to rejoice, to be upbeat. To be happy. And so Paul says, regardless of our circumstances, God can give us this, something deeper, something more meaningful, a deep joy that comes from the Lord. Jot this passage down. You can read it, the, uh, its entirety on your own, but it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul lists all his hardships, all the stuff that he went through, I won't go through it all. Just a few verses here. In verse four, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots. Paul says, "I've been through all that stuff." In hard work and sleepless nights and hunger. Listen to this: sorrowful yet what? Always rejoicing. Paul can say, "I I can have sorrow." Because life's tough, but at the same time, I can rejoice. Paul says, we're poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. There's another passage to jot down. It's in Habakkuk chapter 3. The prophet says this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive tree fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet what? I'll still rejoice. I'll rejoice, not because there's no cattle in the stalls or, or crops in the field, but I'll rejoice in that one who never changes. My strength is in the Lord. I will be joyful in God and my Savior, the sovereign God who is in charge of all things. He is my strength. And he'll make my feet like the feet of a deer and enable me to tread on the heights. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Greek word uh, that's translated gentleness is a hard word to translate. Gentleness does not really do it justice, but it's probably the closest. It contains an element of, of selflessness. A person who doesn't always insist on his or her own way. The word suggests a person who doesn't retaliate. So here's what Paul's saying in verse 4, in the first part of verse 5. He's saying joy is the internal part of rejoicing, and then gentleness is the external demonstration of rejoicing. When you have that joy inside, you, you demonstrate it on the outside with a selfless, a selfless character. Paul may have been alluding to a situation in the church. Just look back up at verse 1. He started this section by saying, I plead with Euodica and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Epaphroditus told him that there were some two women who weren't agreeing. And Paul says, I plead with you in the Lord, just agree with each other. Let your gent rejoice in the Lord, both of you, and then let your gentleness be known to all. Demonstrate it. Demonstrate it in unity. Look at verse 5 again. Let your gentleness be known to all. Why do we, why do we want to do that? Because the Lord is near. There are a couple meanings there. One, the Lord is near in the sense that He is always with us, right? As believers, He lives In us. But Paul's also reminding us that he's coming again. That we celebrate his first advent during Christmas, but his second advent, he is coming again. He is near. Every generation must live as if they were the last generation. And Paul is saying when you have that mindset, when you have that eternal perspective, then you don't have to worry about some of the stuff here. It really don't matter. It doesn't matter that much when you're thinking about eternity. Now, i got to tell you something that I'm sure you already know, but just in case. Fox News does not design their broadcast with an eternal perspective. Everyone got that, right? CNN does not write the scripts for their news people with an eternal perspective. USA Today does not write from an eternal perspective. Let's be honest. The world and the media plays on our fears. There have always been tragedies in the world. The difference today is we can see it 24-7. And so the anxiety starts flooding over us. Look at verse 6 again. Paul says, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. When God inspires Scripture, He does not inspire Scripture for hypothetical situations. He never sets up a straw man in order for him to knock it down. He deals with the real and the raw. And he knows that the issue of worry is real. And he knows that the issue of anxiety is real. And so he says, don't do that. Now, I want to say something here real quick before I move on. I know there are some physical situations, chemical imbalances, that causes anxiety. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Don't take this passage and say, I've got some medication that's helping me, so I should go off that if I'm really spiritual. Don't do that. Don't do that any more than if a person had high blood pressure, they'd take high blood pressure medicine, right? Is that unspiritual? I don't think so. If you have a disease and you take treatment, is that unspiritual? No. You take the treatment and also you keep giving it to the Lord, right? Right? So don't allow this to be something that says, oh, if I'm really spiritual, I I don't take the, the meds, all right? Don't do that. Paul's talking here about anxiety from circumstances, not coming from physical within, but anxiety from circumstances that invade our heart. And here, the construction of the Greek is that in Philippi, there was some habitual worry going on. Worry was sweeping through. Anxiety was sweeping through the church. Kind of like today, right? Epaphroditus, remember, had gone to Rome to see Paul. Paul wrote Philippians from Rome. He was in prison there. And the church in Philippi had this great relationship with Paul. And so they said, Epaphroditus, go see him and encourage him for us. You represent us. And just think about the conversation that would have happened. Paul says, man, I love those people in Philippi. First European church. That I was found. How's Lydia? How, how are those women that I met at the river? Tell me about what's going on in their life. And the new people that are coming to Christ. And, and, and you got to think that, a, that Epaphroditus at some point said, yeah, there's something, Paul, i got to tell you, there's some, there's some anxiousness going on. Maybe it was something that was happening in their day. And, and Paul, it's not like one person worrying about one thing. It's like a, it's like a habitual uh, issue, habitual worry going on. And that's what Paul's addressing here. The word anxious <clears throat> takes our word anxiety and like cranks it up to the next level. The Greek word does. It's like amped up anxiety. A lot of people are amped up today, aren't they? Here's the, here's the problem with anxiety. One, it's selfish because I am worried about things only in my life or I'm anxious about things in my life and so it's focused on me that's the first problem and the second part of that same issue is when I am focused on myself and when I'm focused on the circumstances around me and when I'm focused on Isis or when I'm focused on terrorism or when I'm focused on all these things around I can't keep my focus on God I can't focus on God And focus on this. So so these things become distractions from God. And when our minds and our hearts are distracted from God, we're we're in a difficult, a dangerous situation. What Paul says here is not new teaching in Scripture. Jesus taught this in Matthew. Flip back to Matthew chapter 6. Just look at this real quick Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said the same thing to people then. Again, this is not a new issue. And Jesus addresses three basic things that we worry about. Look at chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear... Where is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his or her life? See, God's sovereign. He has our days ordained for us before one of them came to be. Psalm 139. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Jesus asked. So what's Jesus addressing here? Health and safety, right? You're living under my protective, sovereign care. I'll take you home when I want to take you home. I got you covered. Look at verse 31. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly father, he already knows you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be given to you. Keep your focus on him. He'll take care of this. I love the the psalm that says, I've never seen a righteous man go hungry or his children begging for bread. Sure, you need to send out your resume. Sure, you need to look for a job. Sure, you need to work it. And you give it to God. Because at the end of the day, He's going to take care of you. He is a sovereign God. This area of Scripture, Jesus is addressing our job and our money. And don't we worry a lot about those two things? There's one more. Look at verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What's, What's Jesus addressing there? The future. How many people do you hear today? I do not know what's going on. I can't believe it. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You're right. You don't know. But God does. And you keep your eyes on him. See, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have issues of its own that you can give to me as well. Even in the complexity of life, these same simple Things cause anxiety, don't they? Health and safety, job and money, the future. Worry is natural and it's futile. It holds us back, again, because it distracts us from trusting God. And when we don't trust God, our spiritual growth is stunted. It is paralyzing, it is exhausting. Man, I've gone to bed at night and thought, why am I so tired? I didn't accomplish that much today. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, yeah, I worried all day. It's exhausting. Someone has said this. Worry is a small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. So back in Philippians, for anyone who has an issue with worry... I think that covers us all. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. No asterisk there. Don't be anxious about anything, but in what? Everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Check this out. Paul covers four things here, critical in our prayer life. Number one, he says, In everything, give it to God by prayer. Prayer is simply talking with God. Don't make it something it is not. It is simply talking with your heavenly Father. Petitions. Petitions means that we are expressing our personal needs. We all have them. We're expressing our personal needs. Thanksgiving We're showing gratitude to the God who loves us so much he sent his son to die for us on the cross. And requests, asking for specific things. So prayer, talking to God, petitions, expressing our personal needs, thanksgiving, showing our gratitude. Requests, asking for specific things. When you are anxious, when you start to worry, Paul says, use that as a God-given reminder to what? To pray. Use that as the trigger. You know, when you have your phone in your pocket and you feel it buzz, and you think you got an email, but it's really just an ESPN update? <laughs> well, worry is that buzz that goes off in our heart." Time to pray. Time to give it over to the Lord. Anxiety is a reminder to pray. Prayer cures anxiety. Too simple? Too simple, Ron. Hey, I didn't write this. I didn't write it. Just sharing it with you. Anxiety is a reminder to pray. Prayer cures our amped up anxiety. And when you pray, look what happens. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's read that verse together. You ready? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Three things about the peace of God. First, it is the peace that comes from God. It's the peace that God gives, and it is from Him. There's not a situation or a circumstance beyond His control. He's got it covered. He has your back. And by the way, nothing is impossible with Him. Secondly, it is beyond comprehension. The world would look on and say, how in the world could you have any peace in that situation? Look at the things going on in your life. Look at the things going on in the world. It's time to get anxious. It's time to worry. But the believer says, I gave that to God. And he replaced it with the peace that passes my ability to comprehend it. You know why God's peace is beyond our comprehension? Because it is supernatural. Supernatural. It's not natural. Third thing. I love this part. The peace that God gives. Stands guard over our hearts. Verse uh, 7 again. Um, it, it, It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul uses a beautiful word there. A military term. It's a soldier who is guarding the gate of a city. And Paul says, God's peace is like a soldier standing guard over the door of your heart. Anxiety comes, God's peace says, you're not welcome here. Not here. Anxiety comes, God's peace says, no, can't get in here. That person has given you to God and God's taken care of it And the peace is there, and I'm not going to let you intrude a peaceful heart. God's peace guards our heart. Now, Paul says, um, while it's all God working, there are some things we need to do. Paul says, what you need to do is you need to pray and give it to God, and then go turn on the news so you can figure out what the next breaking issue is. Paul says, give it to God and then start thinking of the future so you can just borrow from the future, all the issues. No, Paul says, give it to God, let him handle it, and here are some things you need to do. You need to put in your mind, right? So Paul goes through these in verse 8, and he says, think about these things. Put these things in your mind. Real quick, we'll go through them. Whatever is true, things corresponding to the teaching of God's word, put God's word in your heart, saturate your mind with it, memorize it, get into God's word, and let it get into you. Things that are noble, things that are dignified and worthy of respect. By the way, man, pornography is neither dignified nor worthy of respect. Everyone, spiritual fantasy, uh, not dignified or worthy of respect. Gossip is neither dignified nor worthy of respect. And so when you put all that stuff in there, trash in, garbage in, garbage out, noble, things that are noble, things that are right, things that conform to God's standard. The world does not conform to God's standard. You want to focus on the world, you will not be putting into your mind the things that are right. Right? things that are pure, things that are free from the taint of sin, things that are lovely, virtues that make believers attractive, things like generosity, kindness, compassion, willingness to forgive. Anxious people are not generous because something's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to lose it all tomorrow. I've got to hold on to this today because I've got I to make sure I control my future. Well, good luck with that. Things that are lovely make believers attractive. Things that are admirable. Things that are positive and constructive rather than negative or destructive. Paul says, think about these things. Put your mind on these things. Meditate on these things. Soak your mind with these things. If there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, think on those things. Here's the truth of the scripture. Believers can live with confidence, with peace from God and without habitual fear and anxiety. That is a truth from God. And it can be ours. And we can grow in that. I'm not saying, boom, you're never going to worry again. Absolutely not. You will worry again. but That's the buzz going off on the iPhone, right? In your heart. Time to pray. Giving it to God. So a couple years ago, uh, my niece uh, texted me, and a good friend of hers uh, had just found out she had breast cancer, and she was headed to Houston for some treatment. And my niece said, is there a good devotional uh, for her to read? I've I, I have, I've seen some, and some of them are a little light and cheesy, and some of them are real theological. I just need to give her something to absorb God's Word. I'm sure there are some good ones out there, but I couldn't find anything. So I decided to, to put uh, some put some verses together. I did it through the daily devotional. And then we put it out uh, in this little book called Refuge. And um, we have it available in the bookstore. It's always important for me to let you know that when I, this is not an advertisement, when I put these out, when I tell you about this, I don't get anything from books in the bookstore. But I want you to know that we have a resource for you. That's why we do these things a resource for you, and, and I just, there are 88 verses in here, and I just picked out verses that are that are comforting uh, verses. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me, and I did a little devotional on it. Um, uh, the Lord will, I love this one, uh, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. Humble yourself, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. Jeremiah, for I know your plans. Nahum, the Lord is good, a refuge in the time of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So, this is available for you, and I encourage you. That we don't have a lot left. We'll have a list. We'll get you some. But I, if you want to put your name on a list, but I encourage you just to, just to go through these. Let these verses soak into your mind. Put into your mind the things that are good and noble and true and lovely and, uh, and admirable. Paul says in, in verse 9 this isn't theoretical stuff, put it into practice. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul says, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So um, after I graduated from seminary, uh, Lori and I uh, didn't have a church to go to. And uh, we, we were living in a, a condominium during seminary and uh, we needed to get out of it. And I had to find another place. And I thought we were going to be moving to someplace in the country. It didn't matter where. We were ready to roll. But nothing was coming up. And, uh, man, I remember being frustrated and anxious. I had all four years of Greek and Hebrew. and I was loaded for bear for some poor church. And I was ready to go. (laughs) God knew better, so he had another route for me. But I remember driving around Dallas. It was a hot day. And uh, I was frustrated because I'm, we're looking for an apartment. I'm saying, God, I, 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 this wasn't the plan. Didn't, didn't you get my message about this? This was not the plan. We're supposed to be moving out of Dallas for a church. I don't want to stay here. And uh, Lori's uh, little sisters had visited us just before that. And um, they had left in the car uh, a, a tape they brought, Salty the Songbook. Anyone remember Salty the Songbook? And so uh, this little cassette tape that tells you how long ago it was, it was laying there, and I was frustrated, and I just plugged in the tape, and, uh, and I heard this song from 1 Peter 5, verse 7, based on 1 Peter 5, verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And Salty, the songbook, started singing, I cast all my care upon you, I lay all my burden down at your feet. And anytime I don't know what to do, I cast all my care upon you. And I got emotional. I remember driving around, and I was thinking, that's like got to do that. I gotta give this to God. I gotta cast it on him. Then I found it humorous that after four years of all this theology, he used a children's song book <laughs> to drive the truth into my heart. So what's causing your anxiety? What is it? You don't have to, you you can't do anything about it. You don't have to live with it. God invites you. He's pleading with you. Give it to me. Then I'll replace it with peace. At the end of your rows, there are some cards and if you'll pass those down the aisle, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Kirk is going to come out and lead us in a, in a last song. If you've been here for a while, you kind of know the drill. What I'm going to do is ask you to write down on that card, here's the thing or here's the things that I am anxious about. I am admitting this is a spiritual issue. It is taking my focus off of the sovereign God. And I'm going to give it to him. It's all his. I don't want it anymore. I do want a peace from him. I want a peace that passes human understanding. And I want a peace that will stand guard over my heart. That's what I want. So you can write that out on a piece of paper as Kirk comes and leads us in this last song. And then when you're ready... Uh, you can get up, and as Kirk's singing, and you're singing with him. You can drop it off uh, by uh, the the cross, and uh, you can just uh, you can cast it down. Right? That word means to throw it off, cast that thing down on the cross. And just as a symbol, God, it's all yours. I'm done with it. Give me your peace. You may have to do that again tomorrow morning, or even tomorrow, after, even even this afternoon. But remember. Anxiety is that reminder, time to pray, time to give it to him. Father, do your work among us as we cast our care upon you. I pray, Father, that, uh, that you would work in our hearts. Do, do your work in every person we pray in Christ's name. Amen.